Good morning. All right, today we are looking in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Now that is kind of the diving board for the swimming pool that we'll be diving in for the next few weeks, okay? So we know that in Matthew chapter 28, that is the Great Commission. And in this text today, this is some of the final words that God gave, that Jesus Christ gave to his disciples, to the apostles, before he left and was ascended back into heaven. Now, today, the thrust of what I'm looking at is that a missional disciple will go. A missional disciple will go. You know, we, we plan out different things to do, different places to go, and we invite people to go with us. Let's take, for example... We're going this afternoon to go see a movie called American Underdog. It's the story of a guy named Kurt Warner, who is the quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams. At one time in his life, he couldn't make it as a pro. He went on to like the Canadian Football League, didn't do quite so well there, so he began bagging groceries. Well, he kept working hard and working hard. I'm not going to tell you the whole movie, but if you know and you've ever watched any NFL, you know Kurt Warner's got a pretty good story. So anyway, we're going this afternoon to watch that at 4 p.m. If you'd like to go, you can caravan along with us. We're going to go to Coleman, and it's a matinee, so you get a little bit of discount on the price. But nonetheless, we've got to make plans to go somewhere, right? So you've got to make those plans. <laughs> to be a missional disciple, you've got to make plans. Uh, in years past, I've gone on a few different mission trips. I've gone to Mexico. Before I went to Mexico, I'd never been on a plane. I was really nervous about that. And so we had a friend, uh, his name's Bill Housley. And uh, Bill, we contacted him. He works up here at the airport and said, Hey, Brother Bill, we know you fly a plane. It's a little two-seater. I'm about as big as the plane is. And, and so brother, we said, Brother Bill, we've never been in a plane. Could you, would you mind taking us up sometime? And he said, Yeah, sure. Come on up here and I'll take you up. I'm going to tell you, that's scary. That's scary. I got in that little plane, and I'm sitting there like this. I'm all cramped up, knees about touching my chest, because like I said, I'm about as big as the plane. It's a little bitty plane. And so I'm, I'm sitting in there, and I shut the door, and the door's about this thick. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, two inches divides me from like a long fall, okay? That's a long way down. And, and, but anyway, Brother Bill was very kind and thoughtful, and, and, and did that for us. So in planning to go to Mexico, we had to make a pre-plan because I was like, I, I want to know what this kind of feels like. And so, but you make plans to go. After I went to Mexico for three years, I went to Brazil. You talk about a plane flight. That's, that's a good little plane flight right there. And so we would fly into Brazil and then we'd travel back about three and a half hours back up the, into the country there to a little town called Conscious Sao Paulo, Brazil. And in conscious, we got to share the gospel, go around. We did block parties and did door-to-door -door evangelism. And we had a great time, got to learn a few words in Portuguese because that's what they speak there in Brazil. And one time, I'm just going to tell you one really cool experience. I think it was either the first or second year we went. We got to go into every school in that town. The kids had songs set out. They even sang songs when we came in. The Americans are here. It was interesting. But we also got to go. It was just a spur of the moment. We went into a uh, dentist office. 
And the dentist wanted us to come. He said he had heard about how we came into one of the schools the day before and said he wanted us to come into his office and share the gospel with his workers there in the office. So we came into the office and we had the opportunity to share the gospel. He got people, I mean, they were cleaning folks' teeth. They said, time out, we're getting everybody up. Everybody come in here. And so there was about eight, ten people in there from the dentist's office, some that were in the chairs, some that actually worked, mostly worked there. And we got to share the gospel with them. And uh, it, was, it was a very... Uh, very enlightening, very uh, beneficial and, and awesome trip to get to go on. And listen, every trip doesn't mean that you've got to go overseas, okay? You ain't got to go overseas to share the gospel. You can go next door. You can go across the street. You can go, there's a bunch of different places. We've got a thing through the Alabama Baptist Disaster Relief Ministry. And it's the Yellow Hats. And you can be trained to be a chaplain. You can do chainsaw work. You can do house clean out. You can do mud clean out. There's all different ways that you can go locally and you don't have to get on a plane. But if you do want to get on a plane, fantastic. Because hopefully, maybe not this year, but in 2023, I'm looking that we're going to do some trips, mission trips. We're doing one this year. In 2022, we're going to go. And we're going to go to Kentucky. And that's through our Walker Baptist Association. I'm hopefully going to get Brother David Miller. He's our uh, associational mission strategist, I think is what they call them now. They used to be called directors of mission. But I'm hoping that he's going to come and talk with us about what this means to serve in Kentucky. It, it, it'll be a great opportunity to get out there, share the gospel. There's construction projects. There's backyard, backyard Bible schools or vacation Bible schools. Every, uh, the whole family can go on this trip. But today we're talking about being a missional disciple, and a missional disciple will go. In Matthew chapter 28, verses, verses 18 through 20, it tells us this. Read along in your copy of God's Word. Then Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we see in our text this morning, we are in one of the last encounters of Jesus with his disciples. Jesus has called on them in prior chapters. He said, meet me on a hill outside of Galilee. And so what did they do? When Jesus sees their obedience, he engages them in what we now call the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And this is where Jesus empowers them also through the Holy Spirit, as we have recorded in Acts 1, 8. And then he ascends into heaven, so the church era has begun. And within the church era, we find many instances of churches beginning from the apostles' continued service and dedication to this great commission. We see churches that Paul starts. He starts the church in Corinth. He starts the church in Thessalonica. He starts the church in Galatia. He starts the church in Colossae. He starts all these churches. The apostles go out, and we know that they are dispersed because we read about that in Acts chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, and then on. It says, first... Because they started in Jerusalem and they were being persecuted. And it's interesting because nowhere does it, it doesn't say at first that the disciples left the area. 
it's the apostles left the area. I apologize for that. But that followers of Christ, disciples, not the named apostles, spread. They spread. And they went to Judea and into Samaria and then ultimately to the uttermost parts of the earth. And you can read about that in Acts. The book of Acts is a recording of the Acts of the Apostles. It's what they did. Okay? It's not really what Christ did. It's what the Apostles did through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And that's the account that we have how all these churches began because what did they do? They went. They went. And that's what we are to do. I find it interesting and, and, and I, that when we look at the life of Paul and Peter and these others, what did they do? They went to a location where culture was being influenced. And they went in and they said, culture needs to be influenced with Christ. And they went into the culture where the, where, where the melting pot of all society was. And they went into that. And from there, they started churches. And from, from inside where the hotbed of growth of the culture was, church, Christ, the resurrection, the good news spread. You know, now we have media today where things can spread like wildfire, quicker than they ever have. But back in those days, if you really wanted to get some news out, you didn't do it out in the rural areas. You went into the towns because everybody had to come into the town to get their 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 needs and their materials and their goods. And the same thing was, what, 70, 80 years ago. People would come into the town, to the hub, and they would get, get their needs, they would get their materials, they would get their, their groceries, their, their, uh, their, their merchandise, and then they would go back out and they'd talk about what, what was going on in the town. And so Paul knew this, so he went into the towns. So the missional disciple goes and they go in the power of God. We go in the power of God. Well, where do we get this idea of going in the power of God? If you will, flip over to Romans 1.16. Romans 1.16. Now, like I said, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through basically 19a, was my diving board. Now here is the swimming pool where we're going to be today. We're going to be in the swimming pool of Romans 1.16. Romans 1.16 says this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. And then verse 17. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The missional disciple will go in the power of God. Scripture tells us in Hebrews that the word of God is living and active. It's able to cut the bone and marrow to discern the thoughts and the mind of those. That is the word of God. It is powerful. And we go in the power of God. For I am not ashamed. The thing about the missional disciple, when he goes, when you go somewhere, you're willing to go out. You know, I've heard jokes about people going to Walmart in their pajama pants. You know, they're not ashamed of those pajama pants, are they? No. We go out, do we talk about Jesus? Do we go in the power of Jesus? Or are we ashamed of Jesus? 
Are we willing to go out representing Christ? There should be no shame in being a follower of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. So if you're not ashamed of something, usually you're proud of it, right? You're willing to let everybody know about it. I've talked about Alabama football with half the people here today already. I'm proud of Alabama. Halfway through the year, we thought, my goodness, they stink. Or at least their defense did anyway. Now we're like, oh, they're supposed to be the national champions. And everybody who was, who was cowering in the closets afraid Alabama was not going to have a good program, now all of a sudden, everybody's out. Oh, oh, not ashamed anymore, are we? Listen, the same thing with Christ. Christ is victorious. He's defeated death, hell, and the grave, and we go out ashamed. We go out ashamed, and we don't ever talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got to go out in the, being proud of what Christ has done. And the Bible tells us if we have a boast, let our boast be in the Lord. And we go out and we are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why is that? Why are we not ashamed? For it is the power of God to salvation. Gospel means good news. And we are to go out and share the good news of Jesus Christ. We're to go out in the power of God. When we, when we think back to, to our commissioning, when, when Jesus spoke to those disciples, those apostles, we know that most of the time the last things said on a deathbed are some of the most important things to be said, right? Now Jesus was by no means anywhere near death. He had already conquered it. But the last time you see somebody, of course, you know, sometimes we say stuff like, if you're hungry, stop and get something to eat. You know, we say weird stuff like that when we're about to not see somebody for a while. Of course, if they're hungry, they're going to stop and get something to eat. But, you know, sometimes you don't know what to do. And these, these disciples were like, you know, they were still confused. You know, I mean, many a times if you read through the Gospels, the disciples were always a little bit behind on what Jesus was trying to tell them, right? Aren't you supposed to be the king? Like, we're supposed to put you on a throne or something like that right now? You're going to overtake Rome and all this stuff? And he's like, no, no, back off. Slow down. You're getting ahead. But here Jesus is telling them two of the most important things that we'll ever hear in the Bible is the Great Commission and then Acts 1.8. The two greatest statements right before Christ ascended into heaven, and it was to empower us to go with the gospel. The good news. That Christ would come. He would leave his throne in glory as we talked about this past month. As we took our journey to Bethlehem. And he would leave that throne of glory and come here. And show us what it means to live a righteous and holy life. And then he leaves us and empowers us to go. To go. He doesn't empower us to sit. That doesn't mean that there's not anything that, can, that can't be done while sitting. I don't want you to misunderstand me, okay? Because there's times in our lives when we might not be able to go. Back during the summer, I had a bulging disc in my L4 and L5. Happened right, I mean, like the week that I preached the ink call uh, sermon here. And I'm telling you, I couldn't hardly move. So understand, we understand there's times. And it may be that, that an ailment or a sickness causes you to be down. Don't take this as a negative statement toward times such as that. Or if you've got a physical uh, uh, issue that doesn't allow you to physically go, you can go 
by, by praying. You can go by financing. You can go by, by giving resources. There's a lot of different ways you can go. So don't hear when I say that if you're not going to your neighbor, if you're not going to Kentucky, or if you're not going to Brazil, that you're not being missional. A missional disciple, it's about the heart. It's about the heart. Yeah, I'm sure God would love to see our hands and feet at work, but most of all, if our heart's not in it, it doesn't matter if your feet and your hands go. It doesn't matter anything else if your heart's not in it. A missional disciple is desiring to go. And if you can, go. If you can't, go in the ways that you can. And so God calls us to go. And we see how all these disciples, and not just the apostles. When I say disciples, don't misunderstand me. It's not just the twelve. It's disciples as a whole. We are all to go. This is not just up to the pastor. It's not just up to the deacons. It's not just up to the Sunday school teachers. It's everybody's call to go. As we go, what are we doing? We're presenting the gospel which we have created, or there's this word that is, that is known to couple with the going process and the going and sharing the gospel that we call evangelism, right? So we should know how to share the gospel so we can evangelize those that are lost. Share the gospel with them. There's a fellow by the name of Mark Deaver. And he, he wrote a book called Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. And in that book, he gives six biblical guidelines about how to go and share the gospel. And he says, tell people with honesty that if they repent and believe, they will be saved. But it will be costly. It'll be costly. Don't give them some sugar-coated version of, the, of, of some progressive gospel that says, oh man, it's all unicorns and rainbows when you accept Christ. That's not, that's not how it is. We're now going a totally opposite direction from, from the world. The world and the world, its stream has gotten wider and deeper. The narrow is more narrow than I feel like it's ever been. So when you come to Christ we need, and we share the gospel, we've got to be honest with folks. It's, it's, it will be costly. You might have to make choices of friends. You might have to make choices about a workplace even. It's difficult to follow Christ, but it's worth it. Number two, tell people with urgency that if they repent and believe they will be saved, but they must decide now. Don't think there's a better deal. You know, a lot of people want to wait and see. I don't know. You know, you ask people, listen, I've been a youth pastor for many years. So you'd, you'd say, we're planning this activity coming up on this date. Well, who all's going? What's it matter? Do you want to go? Do you want to know more about Christ? You know? Well, I don't know. What, who all's going? When's it going to be? You know? I'll just, sorry there. Just let a little bit of my youth pastor frustration out a little bit. <laughs> That used to drive me nuts. Drive, drove me crazy. I, I couldn't stand it. I was thinking, look, do, do you want to go? And if you want to go, and so-and-so over here wants to go, hey, you know what you're going to have in common? You both want to go. <laughs> so you know what we're going to have? A good time while we go. Don't worry about who is or is not going. You just go, and the one who wants to go, they're probably going to meet up with you, and you're going to go together. I think about going, we went on a mission trip out to Vail, Arizona, many years ago. I think it was 2011. And we took a charter bus 
across the United States with students on it, okay? By the time we came back, we saran wrapped one kid. We had to poke a hole in his mouth. And, and uh, man, we, we had a good time. But listen, we shared the gospel. We helped four church plants out there. We saw a custodian come to faith at a local mall. And listen, we had a great time. But listen, we had to go. But when we got out there, the point of that story is this. I know I told something funny. But, but the point of the story is this. When we got out there, there were other churches that were going with a part of this mission team to share the gospel. And that other group was from San Antonio. So there was us from Jasper, Alabama. And there was a group from San Antonio, Texas. And we're all out in Bell, Arizona, Bell, Arizona for the same reason, to share the gospel. We had a good time. Because you know what? It didn't matter who went. What mattered was what brought us together to go. And it was the mission of Christ so the gospel may be made known. We got to go. Number three, tell people with joy. Tell people with joy. I mean, have you ever had somebody share the gospel with you and it looked like somebody was just stepping on their toe the whole time? Oh, my goodness. Let me, let me see if I can remind, remember all the scriptures. Just tell them about Jesus. If you had a relationship with somebody, hopefully it's a good one. When you tell somebody about that good relationship, usually it's with a little joy in your face, right? Because usually you don't, I mean, I mean, hopefully you're not gossiping. But someone you don't have a good relationship with, you usually don't want to talk about them a whole lot with other folks, do you? You don't bring them up in conversation. Hey, let me just bring this person up in conversation that I don't have a good relationship with. But if you've got a good relationship with somebody, you'll bring them up. You'll talk about them. That's what we do with Jesus. We bring, them, we bring him up with joy. Tell people with joy that if they repent and believe the good news, they will be saved. However difficult it may be, it is all worth it. It's all worth it. In Hebrews chapter 11, we, we have the account of those who had faith. And if you look back through those, there were hardships for those who had faith. And then Hebrews chapter 12 gives us the account of Christ and the hardship, obviously, that he went through and he had faith. Having faith is not easy, but it's all worth it. I've always heard it said the retirement plan when having Christ is all worth it. It's good. But our retirement is not on this side of heaven. I'll tell you that right now. John Piper preached a sermon talking about uh, there was a couple that all their life, all they wanted to do was retire and go gather seashore, seashells by, by the seashore <laughs> at the end of their life. And they didn't, they didn't really think of anything else. And John Piper said, what are you going to tell God when you get to heaven? That when you retired, all you wanted to do was gather seashells. When the last part of your life, the latter part of your life, you could have been a mentor to younger people in the faith. You could have shared the gospel with more people. But you were more worried about that than you were about people going to hell. The mission of disciple will go. Number four which is common sense, but maybe some people don't, use the Bible. Use the Bible on a biblical guideline on how to go and share the gospel. Use the Bible. Think about Philip when the eunuch was in the cart, and he was riding out through there, and God told Philip, he said, hey, chase that cart down. You need to talk to him about Jesus. And he chased him down, and, uh, and he got up in there, and he says, who can understand this stuff the Ethiopian eunuch did? And Philip said, well, let me hop up in there with you, and I can tell you all about it. So he does. And after they, after they uh, talk for a while, he says, hey, look, there's some water down there. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip's like, nothing. Let's go. You've come to faith in Jesus Christ. What's the next step? Be baptized. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. Use the Bible. 
Realize that the lives of individuals, this is number five, realize that the lives of individual Christians and of the church as a whole are a central part of evangelism. John 13, 34 and 35 reveals the true value of membership and unity to a local body. It says this, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples by the love you show to one another. Evangelism is vitally a part of the church body. Number six in the final biblical guideline on how to go and share the gospel is to remember to pray. Everything needs to be bathed in prayer. Really, it should almost be number one. It should be number one. It's the first thing we've got to do. Because the more we pray, the more our hearts are attuned to God's will. And the more our hearts are attuned to God's will, the more likely we're going to have divine uh, interruptions. We're going to have divine interruptions through our lives where we have the opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think about uh, Mr. and Ms. Short and myself. Uh, I've seen Brother James Underwood up there at Planet Fitness, and we get those opportunities. You get to speak to people a lot, you know? And I can see them as divine, inter- I can see them as interruptions. Man, I got to get back to the office. Man, I got to do this. I got to do that. Or I can see them as divine interruptions. And I can say, God, how can I speak of Christ in this conversation right now? I've gone to Planet Fitness. And everywhere we go is a mission field. So I've gone to the gym. How can I turn this gym into a mission field? How can I turn this workplace into a mission field? I mean, Tiffany's got people locked in a chair for a while. She can share the gospel with them all the time while she's cutting her hair. You know, I mean, uh, you, you, you get opportunities such as that. You get opportunities to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with folks. Take those opportunities. God gets us up and we get to go. You know, and where we go is the mission field. Where we go is the mission field. When we read more about preaching the gospel, we get into Acts 17 and 18, where in Acts 1, 17, excuse me, Acts 1, 17, for Paul says, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross be made of no effect. You notice the word send me. Send me, for Christ did not send me to baptize. God sent me to preach the gospel. When God sends me somewhere, he sends me to preach the gospel. And we preach the gospel, obviously, from the word of God. We live the gospel of Jesus Christ every day of our lives. And Paul says that Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach with the gospel, not with wisdom of words, let the cross be made of no effect. And Paul said, this is my ultimate call. This is my ultimate call. And his calling is not to make it pretty, but to make it plain. His calling is not to make the gospel pretty. He said, I'm not going to use elaborate words. I'm not going to use big words to to, to confuse people or to make myself to to boast of my education. And Paul said, if anybody has opportunity to boast, I can. You know, we could go into all that, but I'm not going to spend that time there. But he, he says that. But his calling is not to make it pretty, but to make it plain. His calling is not... Is not to make it about those in society, but to make it clearly and centrally on the Savior. Because if we make it about anything else, we've got a problem. The calling is not to make it about those in society. The gospel is not about those. We don't change the gospel for those in the culture. What we do is we make it clearly and centrally on the Savior. 
And the cross is not to be diminished by eloquence, but to be magnified by obedience. The cross is not to be overshadowed by the disciple, but to cast a long shadow over the disciple. The missional disciple will go in the power of God. Because, as Romans 1.16 says, it is the power of God to salvation. Because everything in our life should be pointing, Jesus, pointing people to Jesus. Salvation is only in Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man shall come to the Father except through me. So we point them to Christ. Christ is the saving factor, and the gospel is how it gets there. It is the power of God for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. And we know that from Paul, I'm sure Paul realized this, because when Jesus first sent out the disciples, Jesus first sent the disciples out to the Jews, right? And then when they came back, they said some received, some didn't. And then he sent out the 72, and he sent them out. And they shared the gospel with anybody and everybody. He sent them out to the Gentiles. He sent them out to everybody. Our message is not a isolated only certain people type message. The gospel is good for all. We talked about that when we talked about uh, in, in uh, when we talked we talked about that when we talked about our journey to Bethlehem. When Christ came, He came for all. He was a good gift for all. Secondly, we go in the righteousness of God, because there in Romans one seventeen it says, "For in it." The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So we go, we first go in the power of God and we go in the righteousness of God. Those of us that have been redeemed, we have no righteousness in and of ourselves. Our righteousness is put on us as clothes by Christ. That's what he has done. Divine righteousness is the starting point and the theme of the gospel message. It is the theme of the gospel message. And God's righteousness, rejected by sinning humanity, was perfectly fulfilled by Christ incarnate. And it is imputed to the sinner who repents and believes in the Lord Jesus and will be manifested in practical ways in the life of the Christian. That's what John MacArthur says. The content of the gospel is the righteousness of God. God's righteousness, not man's righteousness. That is the content of the gospel. And the scripture says that all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. That's what Harper Shannon wrote in his commentary. We have no goodness in and of ourselves. We don't. We don't have any righteousness, so we go in the righteousness of Christ. That scripture there in Romans 1.16, for in it, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Romans 3.10 tells us there's none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. And that's Paul quoting that from Psalm 14, 1 through 3. So we must understand that in and of ourselves, we do not go in righteousness, but we go in selfishness. We go in pride. We go for our own good. But through Christ and in Christ, filled and sealed in the Holy Spirit, we go in Christ's righteousness that is placed upon us at salvation. 
Christ's righteousness is placed upon us. We are made right in the sight of God, which is called justification. When we receive Christ, when we do as is Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, to repent, and excuse me, that's Mark 1, 15. Uh, Romans uh, 10, 9 and 10, it says, uh, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raises up the dead, you shall be saved. And when you do that, the righteousness of God is placed upon you and you are therefore justified in the sight of God. It is just as if you had never sinned. You have been justified and you've been made right in the sight of God. And then this scripture talks about from faith to faith. It says, uh, for the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. It's talking about how the righteousness of God is revealed in our lives because at the moment of faith, we are justified. But as we walk in faith, we are sanctified, living in Christ's righteousness. It's how we live and we go. And the missional disciple will go in the power of God. And the missional disciple will go in the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God is that righteousness which he imparts in order to make men righteous, just as that is the Lord's salvation by which he saves us. That's what Martin Luther said. It is the work of Christ placing his righteousness on us that makes us justified before God. So when we go out and share the gospel, we go out in the righteousness of God, justified before him, doing the work that Christ very well did himself while he walked this earth. And we share the gospel. The missional disciple will go. We will go. You can redeem your timeline in social media. You can call that your place to go. Redeem it. Take anything off of it that's not glorifying God. You know, if it's hateful or mean or, or, or just... If it, if it were to make anybody question your relationship with Jesus Christ, it should not be there. It should not be named of you and me. Because if it questions our relationship with God, we have got to pursue those things which says, I have a healthy, ongoing, growing relationship with Christ. But the quickest way to disprove anybody who says you ain't got a relationship with Christ is to live for him. Not just speak about him. I talked about last week, talked about how Herod said, hey, uh, he called in the wise men. He said, go find the Christ child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so I may then go and worship him. All words. He wasn't going to go worship him. He's going to go kill him. It's all words. Listen. The mission of disciple is going to go. And then finally, we will go for the glory of God. And being missional disciples, we are to go for the glory of God. We bring glory to God by telling of his love to wayward people. We tell them that the gospel is God at work. He lives and breathes through the declaration of his redemptive love for people. And this gospel that we go with involves justification being set right with God, sanctification, growth in holiness, and glorification, the ultimate transformation into the likeness of Christ. That's what Mount says as the purpose of going uh, in the glory of God. In being missional disciples, we know that the chief end of man 
is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Romans eleven thirty six. For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things made, to whom be glory forever. Psalm 73, 24 through 26. You will guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail. But God is my strength of, God is my strength of my heart and my portion forever. That's enjoying him. And then John 17, 22 and 24. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. That's the fellowship, is to enjoy him forever. All these verses point to the heartfelt desire of the missional disciple. And that is to glorify God on this earth until we glorify him in heaven for eternity. That is the goal of the missional disciple. It is to go in the glory of Christ. We glorify him by obeying him. We glorify him by serving him, by sharing him, by honoring him, by worshiping him, and ultimately by living for him and dying for him. That is how we glorify Christ. We go to glorify Christ. And we should go in the power of God, in the righteousness of God, because you and I were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's, 1 Corinthians 6.20. So we glorify God in our body. We go, we serve, we share, and we glorify God in our spirit. We praise, we pray, and we submit. We should do all things in this mindset of glorifying God. Listen to what Peter wrote in his first epistle. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen, as 1 Peter 4.11. Everything we do is to glorify God. Whether we eat or drink, whether we speak, whatever we do, uh, whatever, if we minister, everything we do is to glorify God. And sometimes I think we let that slip. And we just think, oh, I, can, I just do this and I just do that. And are you doing it to glorify God? Am I doing it? I, I'm not saying it to you only. I'm saying it to me too. Are we, are we doing what we do to glorify God? If people see us working in our workplaces, <laughs> if people see us, if people see us, are they, are they seeing the good work that we're doing and they're saying, you know what, I don't know about you, but I'll glorify your Father in heaven. You know, that's scriptural. I don't know about them, but, but I see what they're doing and what they're doing is good. Something's driving them to do that. So they say they got a relationship with God. I'll glorify God, but I'm, I'm all... It might be sometimes people are holding back on that. So we've got to do everything as though we're doing it for the Lord. You know, whatever you do, do it as though you're doing it for the Lord. And as we conclude this morning, let us come to understanding that going in the power of God and in the righteousness of God does not mean you will have an easy life. 
We must go for the glory of God, not our own pleasures or comforts. So let us hear Peter and how we should glorify God even in hardships. This is what Peter wrote. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed. But on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet as anyone suffers as a Christian or as a missional disciple, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for those who believe, first for the Jew and then for the Greek. And Peter wrote, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Let us not be ashamed.